You're listening to How to SaaS, the number one podcast to grow your cloud software company with marketing, sales, and customer success in just 10 minutes a day. Each episode will feature a tip, hack, or secret to take your SaaS company to the next level. And now, here's your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. I've got a really interesting interview for you. It's actually more of a debate. Uh, it's a good uh, friend of mine from my network. His name is Mitch Solway. He was the former VP of marketing at, at FreshBooks and he's gone on to do some uh, really interesting things that other SaaS companies have been the VP of marketing at a company called ClearFit. Uh, he then moved on to a company called FunThrough. So he's had a lot of experience and the topic we're going to be debating is how to use radio ads to acquire more customers for your SaaS business. It's a little out of left field, especially if you're a smaller SaaS company. You're likely used to the smaller, uh, the traditional channels of SEO, content, pay-per-click, um, and all those kinds of things. But uh, Mitch really goes into how they leveraged radio at the companies where he's worked to drive a lot of uh, activations for the for the SaaS companies that he was working for. Uh, I'm I play the role of a skeptic, so. Uh, and that's mostly for your benefit because there's obviously a lot of outstanding questions. Why use old world uh, media channels? But obviously there is a lot of proof here that some of this stuff does work. That's why these ads get taken up. Um, you see companies like GoDaddy running Super Bowl commercials. I've seen companies like Wix and Shopify run TV ads. So there's obviously something here. Uh, so that's what I wanted to dig really deep uh, in the interview with Mitch on. And that's for your benefit to see if you can get anything out of it for your SaaS company. A word of advice, take everything with a grain of salt. If you're smaller, it likely may not make sense for you to do radio ads. But like Mitch suggests, if it's working, why would you not put money into it? So I'll leave that call up to you guys and your judgment, but enjoy the interview for the time being. All right, welcome to the show, Mitch. How's it going? Good, Shiv. Thank you. Well, Great to be here. Well, thanks for being on, and uh, just why don't we start off by going through your background just for the audience, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. So um, I'm Mitch Solway, and I've really spent you know most of my career working uh, at early stage companies and helping them through that period of rapid growth. Um, way back in the day in uh, 1993, I was actually the first marketer at a company called Lab Life, which was really the pioneer in the whole online dating space. Um, I was marketer number one there and was there for nine years, and we grew from. Two million over 100 million in revenue over that time, and my last two years, I was the VP marketing there. So I really kind of grew up at that company uh, after previously spent three years at a packaged goods company at Procter and Gamble. Uh, once I got a taste for you know all the growth and challenges and fun of working at a company that was growing, um, I've really you know since done the same thing. Um, I spent about uh, four and a half years at FreshBooks. Um, I was also their uh, marketer number one and their first senior hire, employee number 10. And, you know, we grew that business from about 150,000 users to over 5 million while I was there. And uh, the company itself from 10 people to over 150. Um, I've also worked at some other companies uh, like uh, ClearFit, which was helping small business owners solve uh, hiring challenges and then most recently at a company called uh, FunThrough, which was um, an online lender, and it really did invoice funding and financing for small businesses. Um, and today, I've just sort of launched my own 
firm and working with uh, companies that are looking to grow and they're looking for that marketing leadership, someone that can help them really organize their marketing efforts to really grow and scale. Great. Uh, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about the two bigger companies on your profile, like Lava Life and, and uh, FreshBooks being the number one marketing employee there. What was that like? Oh, it was incredible. I always say that, you know, Lava Life was an accident, so, uh, but a great accident. So, um, you know, like a lot of people, when they start off their career, um, you know, you end up thinking, you, you maybe you think you know what you want to do. And I'd spent three years at Procter & Gamble thinking I was going to be the president there. <laughs> but it just turned out, you know, it just wasn't for me. And, um, you know, I wasn't really designed to work in a larger organization. I was just too keen to just sort of get more stuff done and get my hands dirty. And uh, Lava Life was fantastic for me because they were very progressive at, you know, hiring people for values and fit and creating a great culture and cross-team collaboration. And, and um, you know, I had so many great years there at Lava Life. And I, I always say that I probably made the best friends I ever made in business I made at Lava Life. And we're all still really well connected today and very close. And it's because we, we loved what we were doing. We, you know, we all worked the same way and supported each other. And it was a ton of fun. And the great thing about Lava Life is, you know, after I left, after nine years, I had uh, done a couple other things. And then I got introduced to the folks at FreshBooks. And really within, <laughs> probably within minutes, it was really clear to me that they felt a lot the same, you know, um, like the people at Lava Life, where they really cared about their customers and they cared about each other and they cared about doing great things. And... Um, it's funny, uh, I, wasn't, I didn't get introduced to really work there, but we ended up doing a couple projects together and decided that we kind of like how this works. And uh, there's some other things in there, but within, I guess, six months of having met them, um, I ended up working there uh, full-time as their first VP marketing and, and helping them lead some growth. Right. So, so, so what's, what's that like? So I, I can, I mean, I have a similar experience when I came into Wild Apricot here. I was marketing employee number one as well, but when I hear it from you, what is that like when you come in, you look at the whole business and you say, wh where do you start? Where do you want to go into driving growth? What's your, wh how do you set priorities? Sure. So that's a great question. So I'll say, you know, the thing with me is every at every company that I've started with, I've started with like having no idea. Right? <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't know, like you until you really get into a business. And you can have ideas, but you're like, I don't know. I really don't know what we need to do. But when you look back, it's actually a great way to start any role because you're really starting with a clean slate and your mind is most open to really consider all the possibilities without having any preformed opinion of what should be done before you get a chance to talk to people and, and look at some of the numbers. So um, at FreshBooks, I think I was marketer number two. And, um, you know, they had done some good thinking. But for me, um, where I always start, I, I need some grounding. I need to know, like, where do you start? Because you're right, it's all about choices. And how do you know what to do? And um, for me, if a company's been around long enough that they've got some cu customers, the first thing I do is I go and I do customer calls and I just get to know the customers. And they're not questions about, about like when I was at FreshBooks, it wasn't about, hey, tell me about FreshBooks. It just started off with, you know, hey, tell me about yourself and how you started this business. And you really get to know who they are and what their world is like. And they'll come around and they'll tell you about your product and your service and how it fits into the world quite naturally. Um, but it just, 
it just really reveals so much about who they are. And through those conversations, you get to know about, you know, how they found uh, your product or service, um, what they really value about it. And I always say your customers usually give you all the answers to like, you know, if I want to know how am I going to get more customers and I like the customers that I have today, well, boy, you know, if I can find out what my customers today are like, what they respond to, where they consume their content, then they're basically going to build my marketing plan for me. And um, just a, a quick example is, is we, I spoke with a lot of them and what they found was they were really intrigued with the FreshBooks brand. Right, they really liked their service and support orientation, and not a lot of comfort. They love the app itself too, but they really just said, "Oh, FreshBooks, we love those guys." Right, and that was the heart of really where their value was: is they really, really loved the brand and the people and the connection that they had with them. Um, and we combined that with a survey that I ran that asked them the simple thing, like, you know, what blogs do you read? And I didn't know anything. A lot of our customers were web designers uh, and graphic designers. I didn't know anything about that. But they listed off all these websites that they visited. So I just, you know, put a check mark every time a website got listed. And the next thing you know, I'm contacting those bloggers about buying, if you believe it or not, banner ads back in the day when there weren't really any, <laughs> on any sites. And, right. and they uh, actually got kick click-throughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like the only banner that yeah. they would run. And, and a lot of those bloggers like, oh, you're from FreshBooks. That's awesome. I'd love to have you. Right. Uh, on our website. And it really just started from there, you know, and um, that's just a great way to get started. Talk to your customers, learn from the people around you, uh, and ask, like, what, what's most, what's the most important thing that right. you need to do right now? And at FreshBooks, they wanted to see if, boy, if we spent some money, do you think we could grow this thing any faster? So I said, oh, let's go figure that out. And so, so fast forward to 4.5 years later. And by the way, I completely agree that the place to start is to understand the customer. Because once yep. you understand the customer, you have a much better idea of where to find them or what to attract them into your funnel with and all, all kinds of things. Just start from that conversation. Absolutely. Um, but, okay, so let's forward 4.5 years later. You leave FreshBooks. But what, what, was, what did the marketing team look like by that point in time when you'd evolved it, you'd grown the team size, all these different functions? What did it look like? Oh boy, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, we really um, uh, blocked ourselves out into a couple key areas. There was there was really like the digital team, and then there was a content team, and there was a community team. And um, in the uh, con well, I'll say community and and communications. So there was a group of folks that were really focused on continuing to nurture that word of mouth that we were doing, you know, creating these great events, using social media at the time, engaging with our customers, and um, going to all the web design shows and conferences and sponsoring them and meeting people. So they call it, you know, uh, it was it shaking hands and kissing babies. But, you know, our, our customers really liked interacting with us. So wherever you know, wherever they were online and in person, we wanted to be there to have conversations with them. And there was a group looking after that. Um, there was a group that was really doing all of our digital from search and display and um, retargeting and all that kind of stuff that was really focused on, on that function. Um, there was a group also focused more on direct media. So things like uh, we had done some podcasting and some radio. I know we're going to talk about the radio uh, during this uh, podcast as well, um, and really trying to push the envelope on some new channels. Um, 
And then there was, um, you know, folks that were looking at for broader communications in terms of our PR and public relations and making sure FreshBooks is out in the news and managing our new newsletters. And uh, towards the end, there's also a group building our presence in the accounting channel as well, because getting referrals from accountants uh, became a, a, a good channel for us uh, right. as well. So, so I guess that's good segue as any, uh, you, you mentioned radio there. So, I mean, most traditional SaaS marketing teams have a lot of those functions, right? They have somebody taking care of paid media. They have somebody taking care of content marketing, SEO, all those kinds of things. So, but what coming to radio, it's kind of an un unorthodox channel. Unless, let's say, you are a huge company like Shopify or FreshBooks. I think FreshBooks even runs some TV ads now that I've seen. But back then, I, I'm, it wasn't as big as it is now, right? So, how did the whole radio thing start, and and how successful was it? Yeah, that's a great question, and. Um... So uh, I got introduced to radio. So Mike McDermott, the CEO of FreshBooks, had been talking with a couple folks um, that were also sort of serving entrepreneurs. Uh, one was a company called LegalZoom, and one was uh, Grasshopper. And uh, they had just mentioned that they had been experimenting with radio. And, um, you know, good for him for saying, hey, Mick, <laughs> you know, do you want to talk to these guys and maybe we should try this out? Um, you know, so, you know, I gave it a shot. And um, I'm really glad we did because um, we got so many surprising results from radio that, you know, we never would have expected, never would have expected. And uh, it ended up, you know, doing so many things for us. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you want me to get into those. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. It really okay. just started by seeing a couple other players do it and saying, you know, but also I'd say there's the commitment that we had to continually test new channels. Like we knew we wanted to continue to expand and grow the market and, and, and having, you know, an organization that sort of valued, well, let's test and experiment some things. And um, radio and podcasting came up at that time, and we did both. But uh, right. radio was especially fun. Yeah, so let's, let's maybe start with the conceptual level. So I can share that at Wild Apricot, I mean, we spend, we spend a lot of money on paid ads. And within Google and uh, platforms like Captera, we're, we're reaching our maximum or, or very close to it, right? So then when you get to the question of, okay, how do we grow faster, at least in the paid media area, then you start to look for alternative or new uh, new channels where you can pilot some paid content. Uh, do you think uh, something like radio should only be tested when you get to that stage? Or is radio a good enough channel to test for many SaaS companies even earlier on before things like Google? Well, I would say if it's going to work and bring in great customers, like you can't start soon enough, right? So, um, so let, me you know, let me talk about one of the things that's great about radio and why I think really... At any time, you could do it. The only thing it does require, it does require cash. So, you, you, you know, if you're on a, a really scrappy budget, then it's just not going to be something you can afford to do. And we can talk a little bit later about sort of what it can cost. But, um, but you do need money. You know, it is going to cost money to run as opposed to some other things. I mean, all paid media, obviously, that's the nature of it. But you do need to lay out some money. And you may risk, if it doesn't work, you know, may, you may risk spending, I don't know, fifteen or $20,000 uh, on a test. Um, but the great thing about radio is, in my experience, uh, in all, all the marketing that I've done, it has been able to deliver the most qualified customers of any source that I've ever worked on. And there's a reason for that, and, and crazy high conversion rates, right? So not only imagine you're able to, I would say, you want to wave your wand and you can have anybody come in through that door that you've got, you know? Um, and when they come in, they buy. So 
um, that's a pretty good thing for a business. In radio, what I found was more than any other channel delivered the most qualified customers and the ones that would convert so, from, to, you know, to being a paid customer. Why is that? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple. Well, first of all, you've got to have, you know, if your product doesn't convert, then it, <laughs> there's no point. No, of course. So I'm assuming you've got, you've got, as I said, you've got product market fit. I'm assuming you've talked to your customers. You know who they are. You know what their pain points are. You know exactly what to speak to. And you've got the ability when the right person comes in to, to deliver your service. The thing with radio that makes it great is you can completely customize your message to exactly who you want to come. And, and let me give you an example. So you're going to do, when you're running regular digital marketing and you've got your organic search and paid search and display ads and all these other things and you never really know if someone sees, and maybe they're searching for something and they find you or they, they, you intercept them with an ad somewhere. You don't always really know what it is that they want, right? Because they could be searching for something and maybe they do or they don't want your product and they're looking for something different. But with radio, you 100% can design your message around a very specific customer and need. Um, you've got 30 or 60 seconds to tell a story. And if you do it right, and you, and you basically want to say, hey, is this you, <laughs> right? You know, if you're at FreshBooks, right? Uh, you know, if you're a freelancer, you know, nothing feels better than getting paid, right? Or nothing feels better than sending out that invoice. But waiting to get paid can be real tough. And, like, we knew that's what a lot of people, they were... That's what they were waiting for. Or in some cases, they, they were waiting even to send their invoices. So, you know, we could tell a story. Like, is this you? And you Are you a fr freelancer that's invoicing and waiting to get paid? Then, like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, use FreshBooks because we can help those get those invoices out faster and get you paid faster, right? So, and then the beautiful thing is, well, who's going to come to your website? are people that are looking for exactly that. Um, so it was, uh, it's very, very powerful. And what we found was by tailoring a message like that, um, I'll say at FreshBooks, our radio leads converted at three times the rate of a regular lead. And it just makes sense because they're coming to us for the, boy, if you could say, if you could tell someone exactly why to come to your work website, then that's super powerful, and it's just natural that they convert at three times the rate. Right, and, and so, so let me dig deeper here. I mean, it, it makes sense what you're saying. You can do a call-out, and people will self-identify, come to your website, and they're your ideal customer, so obviously they're going to convert better. But the ads are also, you know, they're, they're interruptive ads, right? So versus Google, which is contextual. So you search, and then you see an ad for what you search for. So are, is, there, is there a risk here that you're spending way more per account than you would on those other mediums, and how does the math end up working out? Because, for example, I mean, with Wild Africa, I could run a Super Bowl commercial, <laughs> but obviously, and, and I, I would be able to do a call out to every nonprofit or small association out there. It doesn't mean I necessarily should, right? Absolutely, yeah. There, you know, depending on the size of your market, there's there could be a lot of waste, right? But you can take advantage of the scale that you get you know, with radio. I mean, you're going to reach a large audience and, and one of the things you want to test is, boy, can I find those exact customers I want to get? And so let me tell you in terms of all the different ways that it can pay out. 
because these were some of the very, when I talked about radio delivered really surprising things, wherever I've gone, um, it consistently, um, it's been on the ROI side of things. I'll tell you the first ROI, which you can never measure though, <laughs> is it builds your brand. So, yeah, and I'm going to say particularly for any kind of new product or service. So if they've never heard of you before, but they hear you on the radio, uh, for whatever reason, you just become real and a lot more credible and trusted. And, you know, there's that initial experience when your ads start running on the radio and your whole network says, oh, I heard you guys on the radio, right? You know, they get excited. Why? Because they're like, oh, my God, you, you're like, you're real. Like, you actually participated in my world, right? Uh, and I heard you on a channel that I listened to. So all of a sudden, you know, you reach them with a message that, that you haven't reached them with before. And, and that was kind of neat. And you think about the impact that that has on your consumer is like you're now reaching them in their world. They're listening to something. They hear your brand. It's on the radio. It just it makes it real. And whether it was at, uh, at FreshBooks or whether it was at FunThrough or at ClearFit, you know, wherever we went, we said, oh, we're ClearFit. Oh, I've heard you guys on the radio. And it really builds your brand. And when we would go to any event um, or any show, um, people would always come up and say, oh, whatever, FreshBooks, ClearFit, fun. I've heard you guys on the radio. And I like to say it's like your, um, it's like your automatic salesperson that's just out there creating impact and influence uh, for you and your brand, building trust and building that awareness. And point number two on how that pays out is um, when we ran radio, not only did the radio leads come in, but we saw, we saw all our other channels lift. The organic search, the paid, the paid search, branded and unbranded, um, all sources lifted probably about 20% when we ran radio. So it's saying, I'll give you a good example, um, at ClearFit, um, you know, we'd run our radio ads, that's fine, but even when people were typing in, you know, uh, hire a salesperson, right? Maybe they, you know, and then they saw our paid ad for ClearFit, they were way more likely to click on that ad because they heard about us on the radio. And in fact, when we were tracking it at the back end, we could see they came in through our non-branded search campaign for that keyword, but we were also capturing how did you hear about us, and they'd say, well, we heard about you on the radio. So they heard the radio ad, and they didn't necessarily do anything, but when they went to their computer and it was time for them to start hiring someone, they go, boy, how do I hire a salesperson? And our, our ad came up, they would click on it. And um, uh, so we saw lift across the whole business. But to be fair, though, you know, attribution is hard, right? Because yeah. you, you can't directly attribute it to the radio ad. It could be a seasonal thing or many other factors, but you're saying that there was some sort of a correlation. No, so that we had, uh, we could directly attribute uh, all of our lift to when we were running radio. Because when we stopped radio, the lift went down, right? So we, we, you know, we were pretty good <laughs> at doing it. There's two things we did. Is one is I would suggest to anyone... If you don't actually have a how did you hear about us box when people sign up, and I know people are afraid of adding another field, creates drop-off, but in every instance that I've done it, it's never created drop-off as long as it's, it's non-required, is you know, we were capturing quite a few of, of those attributions. Um, at FreshBooks, it was maybe about one out of every three. At ClearFit, about 50%, and at FunThrough, about 90% of people would tell us how they heard about us. So it's a pretty close attribution. 
And we also modeled it, and we could see what would happen when we were on air and when we were off air on radio, and we can see everything go up and everything go down, and it made a, quite a big difference. Right. But, yeah. so, so let me just reflect back. So you're saying the How Did You Hear About Us forum could tell you which people are coming from radio, so that's the attribution on that side, and then you could turn on, when you, whenever you turned off a radio campaign, the lift that you thought you gained during radio went down. So it was kind of like yeah. a after, after, therefore, because of it. Kind well, of it was before right. and after. We could see, because we, we didn't run a full 52-week plan. We were, you know, as, as initially also when we were testing, we are testing different stations, different flights, different, different programs. But we, we could definitely model when we were on air and when we were off air, and we could see that the whole business would go up and the whole business would go down, not just from radio, when we were running those campaigns. And our conversion rates, so our paid search conversion rates um, on pay-per-click uh, went from 12% when we weren't on air at ClearFit, for example, to 20% when we were on air. So there was a clear, there was a clear, a very clear relationship to when we were running radio that was lifting everything else. So it's hard to believe, like that was one of the surprising things, but we, we looked at it and in every place I've gone, it's had the same effect. So you've got your brand lift and you've got your, your, your multiple channel lift on the whole business. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't say it's hard to believe as much as, you know, people are listening on the call and you've had so many years of doing this and you when you're so deep in it you can see all the dashboards yeah. so attributing the lift is a lot easier it's harder to completely see that when you're sitting on this side <laughs> and you're like okay this this thing we ran on the radio is leading to a lift on pay-per-click it's kind of a seems like a reach but maybe maybe it's not maybe it actually, actually well if you're happen, capturing right? your how you heard about us then you'll see people yeah. coming in from play pay-per-click that have heard about you on the radio and you'll see the numbers go up the other thing to think about that's it's a great point and i always say if you don't know if something is working it's probably not working right so if you're if you're running a campaign and there's a material investment in, in running a radio campaign you better feel it right you better go like, holy moly, like everybody's telling me, they're hearing me online. I'm seeing that brand experience lift. And you've got to see the business. If the business isn't growing materially over that time period, at least in terms of your paid customers, then, you know, you just, you're just going to know it's, it's, not, it's not working or, boy, everything seems to be up, right? So as opposed to being able to model everything left, right, and center, because, you know, it does take some time to build that. God. Okay, so so let's 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 switch yep. gears. H how much does something like this cost? You mentioned you mentioned fifteen to twenty thousand earlier. So I want to contextualize. Yeah. That. So it depends. So one of the things that um, most of my experience in radio, I've worked for you know software companies that have been selling, let's say, at least within North America, right? In radio, when you think about their model, tends to get the more local you get, the more expensive it gets because you're able to, you know, a lot of radio is retail, a lot of it's local. Um, so there's a real advantage on a media buying standpoint to be buying, I'll call it what I call national radio, and it's really like satellite radio, right? So I spent most of my, most of my experiences buying uh, ad units on Sirius satellite radio because uh, you could, for almost the same amount of money as it costs to buy a city, I can buy all of North America, because there aren't a lot of brands that want to advertise nationally, so the rates tend to be much better. Um, in terms of if you're going to do something on satellite radio, I mean, you could spend, I would say you probably want to spend somewhere around 
ten to twelve thousand dollars, and it's going to be in U.S. dollars a week to test something, um, uh, and that might get you, um, you know, one core station, you know, or a couple, a couple to get going. Um, but you're probably looking at an investment of that much if you're just going in a local market. So I've done some stuff even locally here, just in Toronto, on one of our radio stations here, and you're looking at something that's maybe about, you know. Six sixty five hundred dollars a week, right? To get some meaningful presence, right? So, but you know, you could spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a week if you continue to find other radio stations and networks, and you go national and levels at local levels if you needed to. But if you're really thinking of starting something, if you're just going to start on a national level, you're probably going to want a budget of, I'll say, you know, uh, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a week, and you're going to want to spend it for four weeks. Right. So if you even if, even when you look at it as a ten thousand dollars a week for a month, that's forty thousand dollars that you're spending yeah. on on radio ads. So uh, what what does it work out to? Let's use FreshBooks as an example, which is kind of a low ACV model. Like how much were you paying per paid account there, roughly? So I always took the approach is I had a target CPA that I cost back acquisition, and as long as my entire mix <laughs> was delivering that, then I'm good. So, and, and, and when you go back to attribution, it's really tough because you couldn't always fully attribute something to radio, right? So, um, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at the cost just on 100% only attributed radio, you know, you'd be looking at over $1,000 to acquire a customer, which was way out of my zone, right? But when you accounted for the rest of the lift that you got on the rest of your business, you know, it got, I, I'm not going to tell you what our CPAs are because I don't know. The FreshBooks doesn't like to talk about them, but um, you know it was way lower. It got uh, you know it really dropped in in my whole portfolio of marketing um, was right on track of where we needed to be from a CPA standpoint, and because it also lowered my cost per acquisition on a lot of my uh, other channels because they were coming in through paid search or other areas where you know um, they were just converting at a higher rate. Um, I will say, though, um, and I've talked to a lot of people who've been thinking about doing radio ads and they're trying to figure out their budget, is, you know, th there's some ways you can just know to not even start, right? You just got to do the math up front. So if you're going to spend $40,000 on a test, you've already, you know, you've got to know your, your lifetime value, your target cost per acquisition, and you've got to do the math to say, is this even possible? Like, if I, <laughs> if I need, like, 4 million customers to pay that out, you know, you're probably not going to do that on one station, right? So, you know, you, you do some early math and you, you know, you ask around, you know, what kind of conversion rates can I expect? And I'd say if you're doing a good radio ad to maybe triple or at least double what you would normally expect. Um, the other thing that I was going to say that radio lets you do is if, let's say you've got a broad range of customers you can serve, is you can tailor, and this is what we did at ClearFit, is um, you can target a higher value customer on radio. So uh, let me give you an example. At ClearFit, you know, we could get someone that we were, there were transactional job units that you could buy. You could buy one, maybe you hire one person a year and maybe we're going to get $400 from you every year, right? Or you can get someone that's going to hire like 40 people over the year, right? So what we did is we actually designed our radio ads at the higher end, and we, we profiled customers in our ads that said, yeah, you know, I've used ClearFit now to hire over 25 people. Because we really wanted, and it goes back to that first point of really being able to design your message around who you want to attract, 
if there's a higher value customer, then I'd say radio is just a great way to focus in on them because you're going to need fewer of them to make it pay out. And typically when you aim higher, you're going to get those lower ones anyway. They're, I say they'll come along for the ride for free and they'll help also reduce your overall CPA. So there's some different tricks right. you can play in there, but uh, right. So 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 let, let's let's address the the thousand dollar per activation. So what you're basically saying, just for the listeners again, just to confirm, is the CPA on just radio when you attribute it back to that. How did you hear about us? Form was really high, but then you're saying when you looked at your blended, it came back down, and so that kind of justified it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, and we, you know we had a lot of fights internally. Is like you know, do we just look at 100% attributed, or do we look at the total lift? And and we had when we talked to these other companies, I mentioned like LegalZoom or Grasshopper, they had the same issue, and they you know they like they similarly said you know we know that we really are only able to attribute one out of every three. So they would 3x whatever the numbers is what they thought they were getting from radio. But you're right. You know, if you, if you do a direct attribution, uh, the cost, you could, and you just look at that cost, it's really high. But if you look at the overall lift and you try and do a more broader attribution at, at your total CPA and your total volume, um, it can really make sense. Um, uh, but, you, you know, sometimes just looking on its own. ClearFit, though, we, we had a much, it was a much clearer model for us. Right, because we we drove a lot of our customers through radio, so the attribution was very high, and uh, we were able to get the costs, you know, very closely in line with our target CPAs on that basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting challenge too, right? From a from a marketing attribution perspective, it's it's obviously going to be hard to do this cross platform or offline online attribution. Even just sometimes, you know, measuring last click versus first click on digital <laughs> platforms can be challenging. Um, which one? Which way do you splice all the all the leads that are coming in? Um, the one thing that I've it's for me it's I'm, I'm super direct response focused. So the the three xing on like a leap of faith like you said legal zoom was doing it's kind of hard to understand um and the other second piece is kind of hard to understand is and maybe you can bring clarity to this is okay you're spending forty thousand dollars on radio is there not any place else digitally where that money can be better spent where you can directly attribute it like on facebook ads you can target lists with the same kind of offer and messaging so why radio over things like that so um so a lot of questions in there. So um, yeah. <laughs> first of all, I think that anything, so attribution, I know what you're saying, like attribution is key and why won't I just go to the thing so I can fully attribute something. But boy, if you get a gift that actually helps every other program perform, that's like, who wouldn't want that? <laughs> as much as you don't understand it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So I, you know, and I've given up trying to, and in fact, as a marketer, when you've got a little more resources, even when you've got little resources, where you, you really actually want to have a multi-attribution, the more, in my experiences and all the marketing that I've designed, is if I can hit that customer in two or three places, right? I mean, way more effective at converting them, right? And, and bringing them in than if I just hit them in one. So in a lot of facts, while we all want a direct, um, a direct uh, attribution, for me, the best attribution is if you've got multi. And it's harder to read, but... I've always found when you have a multi-pronged uh, approach, you get better results from anything. So that's, let me just deal with that versus... Yeah, first yeah. question, yeah, absolutely. So um, so your other question, so I know I wanted to jump on the attribution one, was um, oh, why not spend the money in other places? 
I'll tell you because um, you might get better attribution in the other channels, but they just it's hard to find the volume or the conversion rates, right? So I could tell you that at ClearFit, our, our radio ads converted at 40%, four, zero, okay? So you, you just don't need the same volume, and, and we were bringing in a higher value customer than we were through the other channels. We could just find them. We just, let's go fishing for high value customers and bring them in and convert them. Um, and alt eventually, when we optimized our creative, we got to a 60, 60% conversion rate. Anyone that told us, they heard about us on radio, when they signed up, 60% of them bought. So I had a hard time, you know, walking away from that when the ROI was there. And, and a lot of times, you know, I, look, if you can find other ways to spend money that are going to have a better ROI, then I'm all for that. But... Um, radio for me had so many ways it was delivering and making, you know, it's going to make that email list email even better <laughs> because they're also heard me on the radio. So it's this multiplier thing that just became really helpful to any other programs. And if you have budget and you can continue to spend in other things and you can test, let's take radio down by, you know, let's cut out, you know, three weeks and put that money towards, a digital test and see what happens there. And if it's like way better then heck, you know, I don't do radio just because I love radio. I, I did it because it really helped grow the customers, grow our business with the right customers and, and sort of helped every, everybody was real happy when we were running it, whether you're doing content or community or events or paid search or whatever, you were like, Oh, this is awesome. Right. Cause it really helps. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's really good. Uh, good insight. I've, Playing the role of skeptic just to get get deeper. Oh, into I love it. it. I mean, a co company like uh, like uh, GoDaddy, they they actually do Super Bowl commercials, and I think as your marketing marketing channels grow, your company grows, you you gotta find more avenues, right? So, uh, and you you definitely hit ceilings on your your the channels that helped you go from zero to one million or one million to ten, and whenever you gotta get to that next tier, ten to hundred, you gotta find that next channel. So uh, it's definitely a lot of interesting stuff. I would say for younger companies that are starting out, maybe radio won't be the place to start, but at some point it would make a lot of sense once they achieve a certain level of scale. Um, maybe we should maybe we should change gears a little bit because I think we've we've dug deep enough into what the value from something like this can be and, and switch switch gears into how somebody would sure. go about something like I, this. I do want to so, add one more point that I know will sure. be relevant that, that we just sure. cover is the other thing radio did for us, and this is back to your point for other channels, is it actually exposed us, and you brought this up at the beginning, to a whole new market that we weren't reaching with our digital and traditional, I'll say our you know, the traditional software company tactics, right, of, you know, uh, we were finding customers, they weren't on their MacBook Pro all day on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Twitter, right? They're in their cars, they're in their trucks, they're, they're using tablets, and they were familiar with mobile devices. But it allowed us to identify an entirely different segment that we weren't reaching before, that then, you know, you could either continue to try and reach that segment on radio, or now that, oh my God, like here's a whole other market that I was not aware and I was not reaching, is maybe there are now new channels and other areas you can go after those audiences through partnerships and other events or associations and word of mouth and content plans that might be far less expensive than radio, 
But, um, you know, any business should be trying to dip their toes into whether it's radio or just different channels because if you find a new customer segment that you had not been reaching before, then it can point you in all kinds of new directions. So be it radio or anything else. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's definitely a great uh, point to add. So thanks for jumping in there. Uh, but yeah, shifting, yeah. shifting focus slightly. So w- where were you advertising? Are, are there any particular shows that work well for you? Yeah, so it's funny. <clears throat> when I started on my own, I was working directly with the folks right at Sirius XM Radio. I wasn't working with an agency. And I got to the point where I'm like, oh, man, this is, like, this is too much for me. And I knew there were areas of expertise. I just didn't, I wasn't an expert in knowing the radio market. Um, and uh, I ended up working, finding an agency to work with um, that I have a good long-standing relationship with. And the first thing they told me is, oh, you got to get on Howard Stern. Now, everyone's going to be different, right? But I spent a good part of my years after Lava Life really focusing on an SMB customer, small small business owner, freelancer, small business owner. And they said, you got to get on Howard Stern. I'm like, what are you talking about, right? But I tell you... Um, to this day, it, it was and always was, both at FreshBooks and at ClearFit, the best station for me in terms of performance. Um, and, you know, they would continue to raise their rates, and it killed me, you know, uh, you know even a couple times during the year even. But uh, it always performed extremely well. And when I flipped and we did our first test on Howard Stern, um, we saw results, like, go through the roof that we'd never seen before with the exact same creative and the exact same spend just on that station. What, why do you think that is? So one is, you know, he has a big audience, right? Um, and they're super engaged, right? You know, people aren't channel surfing when they're listening to Howard Stern. And that's a, you know, we ended up finding that, that talk radio more than any kind of music was just a great place. First of all, cause you've got your content is, audio it's more you're, you're talking in your commercial talk radio just seemed to be a good format and we've just found overall that people just change channels less and um it was it was a big market you know and he had a lot of credibility and it, funny was a lot of big brands we shy away from him he didn't have a lot of big brands that were dominating so you know we were able to break through on his network and uh there were availabilities there and um you know, it was just a great fit for us, and people weren't afraid when you know to tell us that they heard about us on Howard Stern. So, so explain how buying ads on radio works. Like, uh, what are the different options? Because I know that the live talk host could do a live yep. read, or they could be a spot. So, like, explain that process and the options. Uh, well, it's it's, it's crazy because it's endless. You can do you know these little five second interstitials to these promos. You know, so when we work, let me give you an example. When we work with Howard Stern, as he said, there are a couple things we could do. We could do called they're called live reads, where you pay a premium and actually the host, so Howard Stern, would read our radio spot, right? And you can experiment with that. And and for a time at FreshBooks, you know, those worked for us. And but at ClearFit, they didn't. We tested it, and they made no difference whether Stern read our spot or not. But at FreshBooks, it did. So you got to play around with that. And sometimes there's promotions that the radio stations run, and you get these little bumper things at the beginning and the end when they can talk about your brand and product. But you know, mostly what you're looking at is you're, you're still looking at the core of 30 or 60-second spots. And uh, when you're looking at something like satellite radio, you know, fortunately for me, a lot of the spots were 60 seconds on, on talk radio. 
And that gives you a great opportunity to really tell a rich story, lots of call to actions, and really do a great job. But you're looking at your typical 30s and 60s, and you need to have a core campaign out there that's just got a certain amount of frequency delivering your message on par. And then you can supplement that with you know, a bunch of 10-second spots in the weather or around here, just to have these little reminder things and test whether these supplementary pieces can make a difference. But um, at the core of every plan I've run have been either 30, core 30 or 60-second spots. Uh, and then from there, you can optimize for everything. And we learned, uh, for example, that small business owners responded more between Monday and Wednesday than Thursday to Saturday. And weekends were the worst performing times. And we knew the times of day. So when you're tracking everything, um, you know, you've got to track everything right through and able to feed this data back to your agency. You can look at the, the logs of when things ran and you look at when people signed up. And if you can track all that activity, you can really continue to optimize and learn about when to run, when to air, you know, were 30s better or 60s better, this station or that station, this time of day, this day of the week. And, you know, it was sort of this, just like anything you're going to do with any digital marketing, there's ongoing optimizations and then there's creative refreshes. We tried all kinds of different things to, um, uh, again, when we, when I was getting 40% response rates, uh, conversion rates with ClearFit, I was afraid to change anything. <laughs> But we knew, I would say, you, your customer can tell your story better than you can. So we said, let's try a version where we get the customer in the ad. Like, let's take credibility to the next level. And let's have them say, you know, before ClearFit, I was doing this. And now with ClearFit, I'm getting this. And we saw a bump, same media buy. But we saw a bump from 40 to 60. Well, wow, that's great. It, it, it's funny, hearing you talk about all this stuff, um, it... Uh, it, it, it connects back to the attribution thing because when you're experimenting and testing and looking at the, these numbers on such a granular, granular level, you're, you're able to do the attribution a little bit better than somebody who's thinking about this conceptually right now, going, okay, how do you connect the attribution through? So, But it's good to know, like, you know, as you're talking about it in more detail, the, the picture is a little bit more clear for sure. Yeah, it starts to sound a lot more like your traditional digital media, right? Right, right. Yeah, and you can run it that way if you're if you're if you're getting the attribution and, and the tagging done properly. And there's certain ways to set all these things up for success. We won't get into those, but you do it long enough, you figure out how to optimize everything. Right. Um, okay. So so I understand options and all that kind of stuff. So how does the process of actually creating an ad work? You said you used an agency, right? So what does that look like? So. Uh, well, for me, so the process starts where we started the conversation of really knowing your customer, right? So um, it all starts with uh, real deep learning of who's buying your product and why are they there and what's the real reason they're buying, right? And it's not about really about features and benefits, but it's nailing the insight. So, you know, at... Um, it was hard at FreshBooks to communicate the brand experience because people didn't know the brand on radio. They didn't know who we were. But we tried to create a very playful ad, right? So we tried, within our radio spot, we tried to make sure that we came across as a brand that was genuine and authentic and really helpful and we we're going to be fun to, to play with. But I always start as first principles when you're starting with radio is don't try anything too wacky, Right. Just have a real straight line into like, is this, are you, are you this looking for this? And this is your problem? Well, we can help. We do, you know, um, at ClearFit, 
it was like it was so funny because we heard it all the time from our customers is like they hated hiring it was painful like i i don't want to do this and a lot of the times it wasn't even the boss that was coming it wasn't the business owner that was calling us because they didn't want to handle it it was just someone else they said mitch we need to hire something you take care of it right and so, you know, we just did a straight line. We did an ad that says, uh, it's funny, we told the story of a business owner. Okay, team, business is booming. You know, Joe, you got to take care of this. And Sally, you've got payroll. And Bob, you've got the toughest job of all. And he's like, don't say hiring. Don't say hiring. He's like, hiring, you know. And we just spoke right in, like directly into the, the pain and the experience that someone was going through going, oh my God, that's me. I don't even know how to hire anyone and I'm supposed to do this. What the hell do I do, right? And then we'd say, you know, you know uh, need to create a job description? No problem. We can create one for you in three clicks. You know, need to get on all the job boards? One click, we get you on all the job boards. You know, need to know who the best applicant is? We'll instantly identify them for you. So, and these were all the messages that our customers told us about what they loved about our service. You said, what's at the end of the day? Like, what has it done? Oh my God, I don't have to sign up for 23 different uh, job boards. You do that for me one click. I don't even have to think about a job description. You get it done. So our customers really informed our ads. And the, the, there's two things in the process is you just got to sell the pain, right? Um, and you've got, you've got to nail that pain point so they can totally go you are telling my story. You're just talking about me. Just like any good copywriting, right? Just... Yeah. And, and, but you don't want to talk really, you talk very little about what you actually do. Right. Right? You just want to say, if this is you and you're struggling with these things, and of course, you know, you need this, we can do that. You need this, we can, whatever it was. And we had a different approach with our, our next campaign. But you just had to say, it's okay. You know, we're going we're gonna to help with that. We can help. Go here. And the other point is, you have to, if you want response, you have to approach your creative as a direct marketer. You've got to build and you have to, and there's two things that are about that. One is, people will act when they're in the moment, when they're in the pain point. So you want to talk to someone that's feeling the pain now. So it's worked best for me, not as like, you know, one of these days you're going to need something, so you're going to think of us. Is I want to talk to that person who today either is struggling with their invoicing or, man, this is like the 10th time I've tried to hire someone and it's driving me crazy. Or, you know, I've tried to get funding for my bank and they're saying no and I need, I've got a cash flow problem. But talk to the people that are ready to act now, right? Um, and then you just got to build in all kinds of calls to action into your campaign. And, and if you're talking to someone who's feeling the pain now and saying you can solve the pain now, and you're giving them the, you know, the, the URL like 16 times in your, in your ads, cause it's radio. So they got to It's got to register. They got to remember. Um, if you've got those insights and you're working with an agency that understands direct marketing, right. Uh, and how to structure language around it. Again, it's good copy, but for radio, you know, it's got to be structured in a certain way. Um, then, uh, and they know how to block things out. You're going to spend, if you've got a 60-second spot, so many seconds setting up the problem, so many pro seconds here, so many seconds here, and so many seconds on the close, and we need to mention your brand. There is a formula for doing it. So if you're going to work, you know, I would recommend working with an agency to to help you. And a lot of the times I knew what I wanted to say, and the agency can help you explore real creative ideas to do it. Um, but I would often quite drive the very first execution of what I wanted to say out of the insights. And then they would help me structure it 
in a way that was really going to work from a direct response and a radio standpoint. Right. So, it's yeah. funny. It's funny when you were doing that. Um, the the enactment of the radio ad. I just yeah. thought of the fact that you don't get many opportunities to tell your exact story or you know uh, dramatize the pain points usually on in digital marketing as much. I mean, I think, I think Facebook video and and YouTube pre roll has probably changed that a little bit, but for the most part, you don't get the the opportunity to do that. So this is one medium where you actually can do that and and get like really amplify that that pain point and, and show how you can help. Yeah, them. it's uh, that goes back to our, our earlier point too. That's what radio can do for you. You can you've got more time and space. And, and a vehicle to tell you sound and effects and you can have fun with it, but you can really pull someone in to go, oh my God, this is, it's like, uh, it's like even direct response TV ads, you know, they just keep hitting you, you know, but that's not all. And we'll throw in another <laughs> one. Like, you know, they've already got you. Like, you know, you look direct response television and all those infomercials. And when you think from a formula standpoint, they've really got it, right? Because they really go for the, the triggers and you do the same thing on radio and you can do it again, against the triggers of the exact kind of customer that you want to bring in. And uh, so you're, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. At Fun Through, you know, we wanted to attract someone that was selling to a large customer, and they had to wait. You know, these big customers like a Walmart or a bank or insurance companies, they'll take, you know, 60, 90 days to pay. And when they owe you a couple hundred thousand bucks, that's a long time to wait as a small business owner. And our campaign started and said, hey, as a small business owner, nothing feels better than winning a big contract with a big company, right? But, you know, but when it comes to getting paid, you know, if you're waiting 30 or 60 or 90 days, that can be really painful. Well, that's why there's fun through. Like, think about that, you know, think about how simple and straightforward it is, but how many people have the clarity of that to self-identify and we learned, for example, that our customers didn't begrudge their, our our customers didn't begrudge their bigger customers for taking a long time to pay. They weren't happy about it, but they're really grateful to have a big customer as a customer and they were going to pay. They're just like, well, how am I going to deal with this? So we designed a message that said, you know, if this is you and this is your problem, you know, congrats, way to go, but oh boy, how are you going to deal with this? Uh, and the bank won't help, but we can. And, and it was, it was really powerful. Right. And, and so, so tell me this, you're going through this creative process and creating content like this. How long does it take to finally, to go from, okay, we want to do a radio ad to launching? Um, you know, if you're really, you know, if, if it's the only thing you're doing, which is very rarely the case, right? You know, you could probably get it done um, in a week, right? If you're really disciplined. I would say from the, the point where we decide we're going to do it, to actually getting the creative on air is probably closer to three weeks, right? Um, the first two weeks are getting the creative right, right? And you want to, you know, sometimes you want to float it around to some other people in your company and get feedback and input because, you know, you, you, you get that tunnel vision and you think something's great and you've missed something, right? So you, you do a few pieces of creative, you float it around and you get your feedback. And the actual production doesn't take very long, um, Usually the a good agency's got access to tons of talent and usually it's all done sort of virtually and they mix some stuff together. And again, you get something that you like and you want to float it around and make sure that it's representing your brand and get that input. So in about three weeks, I'd say maximum four weeks if you want to be real careful. But um, uh, but I would say, you know, you could do it in as quickly. I mean, you could do it in a week if you wanted. But 
but I think you want to be, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you want to, at least for your first one, you spend a good amount of time making sure you've, you know, put the checks in the boxes and, and you've engaged enough people in your network or in your company or that know you that can say that that works, right? And that, that sounds like your company because you are putting your brand out there and you want, to, you want it to represent yourself as well and you want to make sure you've hit the messages. Uh, and a few more questions before we wrap up. What would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made when it comes to these radio ads, whether they failed or what are some of the biggest reasons they failed and, and what you've learned from that? Ooh, um, so I have, uh, I'm trying to think if I've had radio campaigns that have failed. So, um, I mean, where it's not going to work is you pick a station. Like you just test everything. I mean, we've got lots of tests that failed. So we've did some certain stations failed like we could just tell we would spend all right let's let's extend beyond stern and let's do this other show right that we think is going to be good it's got a similar demographic but it just doesn't work right um but it's okay because we know what to test for and we've got our everything set up and we'll know after you know i usually know after one week <laughs> like radio ads radio companies will tell you you need months and months and months to know whether it's working that's bs if you're doing a direct response ad frankly if you don't I, I know in the first week, and I'll say, you know, maximum two weeks whether something's working. So even though we'll fail, we'll, we'll fail relatively quickly. We don't have to spend our whole budget. So one has been on station selection, uh, or the other has been when the, the back-end model is broken, right? When, you know, you think you've got a model for converting people, but they're, you're able to attract the customer you want, but if they're blocked and, and they're not able to find their way through to purchase, then, you know it's a very expensive way to, to find that out, right? But I have done that. At, uh, I won't say at one of the companies, you know, our goal was we were getting all kinds of different leads that, that weren't really looking for what we were selling. And I said, well, the first thing we want to do is I want to just find people that absolutely positively want what we're selling. And that's why we did a radio campaign. And it was worth it to just fill the funnel up with 100% qualified leads. And what we found was we couldn't really convert them as well as we thought. So we kind of broke our funnel by bringing in qualified leads and finding it that we couldn't find a way to have them buy at the end. So in one respects, the radio failed to deliver any paid customers. <laughs> right. But what it did do was it told us, like, we need to go back and to the drawing board right. and fix this funnel right. before we really invest any further. So that was another failure. And then some, some people, it's so funny, uh, when you're on long enough, we had a jingle at FreshBooks. That was really great. We, we came up with the jingle and just, you know, you get customers that, that call up and go, get this thing off the air. I'm sick and tired of hearing it, right? <laughs> but you, yeah. you typically get that with any campaign. Of course. Run, of, is, course. Uh, of course. People that hear it all the time, that they're not interested in it, just get annoyed. And they can't, like, signal that they don't want to hear it anymore, like on Facebook. Um, that's not really a failure. You're just going to have to recognize that some people are, that, that don't care about your product are just going to get annoyed with it, which is why... Um, you, know, you still want to look at the data and say, well, enough people are still really liking it and responding to it. But those have been the biggest things. Different stations, different mixes, or um, we've tried a heavy up and maybe heavy ups didn't work. We've tried a sponsored thing, and sometimes those didn't work. But sometimes they do work. So, um, just I, I, I think the main one that I'm getting is just you know constantly testing with the yeah. station selection, the, the different kinds of ads, and then also pulling, pulling an ad ASAP if it's not working instead of yeah. wasting the money there. The biggest mistake I've seen people make and what I've always wanted to avoid is you either, you either don't spend enough money or you spend too much money. 
So you're going to say, well, you know, I'm going to kind of go halfway into it and I'm going to buy, I'm only going to spend, you know, half the amount I should and I'm going to go all like 15 second ads, right? Well, you're really not designing anything. You're just going to waste your money, right? And I've, one of the things I've learned from all my testing is you have to spend enough money and execute with enough force that you're going to learn that it's going to work or not work, right? Or somewhere in the middle, but you can't go, I don't know, we just didn't spend enough and have a big, bold enough plan to make it work. Or people that have just gone in way too aggressive early on and only to discover that that was a waste of time, right? Right. Okay, so. great. And uh, any final words that you have for anybody that might be considering doing radio ads for their SaaS company? Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot of content in here. Uh, you know, just like anything else, it's a process, Right. And if you're really committed to, um, to learning and optimizing and tracking and measuring and, and looking for the value, then, um, then it can be a great, it can be a really great driver. It's a very uncrowded market. It's a hyper-responsive market if you get it right. And the other thing is radio was the kind of thing that it just, it didn't drop for me. You know, as long as I was running it, it would deliver results. And when I'd go off air, it would not deliver results, right? So, but as opposed to other things where I've done some podcasting before and I found sometimes podcasting would spike and then it would, you know, dip and I'd want to maybe flight it. Radio, I found, you could just keep running and it would just keep delivering. If anyone has any questions, you know, they're, feel, they're happy to reach out to me as well. That's, yeah. Yeah, sir, yeah, if you want to drop any contact info, that'd be great. Yeah, so I'm just Mitch, M-I-T-C-H, Solway, S like sugar, O-L-W-A-Y, at gmail.com. Um, if you've got questions about radio, feel free to send me a note. I'd be happy to uh, give you my thoughts and feelings. That's great, man. And uh, last but not least, I just do this with every guest. I want to appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing all the stuff about radio ads. I know I was skeptical a little bit and <laughs> still am, but um, I appreciate the patience and sharing all the lessons that you've learned over your time. And I know a lot of SaaS companies that use, I guess, more the old school media platforms to get customers. I've seen Wix do uh, crazy TV ads. I've seen Shopify and FreshBooks do it. I've seen GoDaddy run Super Bowl commercials. So there's definitely something here, and I think the audience could get a lot from that. So I want to uh, thank you for taking the time for doing that. Uh, my pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot, Mitch. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.howtosass.com, and we will see you next time.